All right. <clears throat> so uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I just, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to stand here as a representative of Jesus Christ and the, the ability to proclaim his gospel and what he has done for each and every person in this room, Father God, that you have given me a mouthpiece to proclaim that Jesus Christ has died, rose, and is now seated right next to you. That he has atoned for all sins, for all punishment, for all death. And that if we repent and we call out to him and we surrender our lives and our wills, to him and allow him to take control and to teach us and guide us and lead us and direct us, Father God, that we would have an abundant life, that we would have a rich life, that we would have a peaceful life, that we would have a life that is in communion with you, in intimacy with you. And that is far more valuable than anything this world has to offer. Lord, you know my heart, and you know how I've been struggling for the last few days. You know that I have been grieving, and that I have been wrestling, that I have been pouring my heart out before you, Father God, and that my heart, there, that my heart's in pieces. Lord, you know all these things. then you have done nothing but, but meet me with kindness and compassion and gentleness and love. And you have walked beside me these last three days, Father God. And so I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit be, would be the one that would be speaking and that I would just be poured out as a drink offering before your throne, that, that the words that are spoken here tonight, the truth that is spoken here tonight, the things that are declared and proclaimed would only bring glory to your name. Lord, that I would, I would be completely moved out of the way and that Jesus Christ would step in. Minister of Reconciliation. So I love you, Lord, and I thank you. I thank you for every woman here that is here tonight. I pray, God, that you would open their ears and their hearts to you. We just love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as many of you guys know, heaviness in my heart and the brokenness that I'm going through is because of what has happened to Arnold Dean. (laughs) 
I truly, truly loved. I truly loved her. And every time she'd come to that door, I would always make sure that, man, I fought for her to stay here and I would advocate, man, I would just, and I know, I know that there was a couple, you know, confrontations with a few women in here, but I had a soft spot for her and for her baby. <laughs> So to walk what, what I've been walking through and grieving these last few days, this message that I am bringing tonight has been for me. <laughs> and knowing, knowing that his word is true and that every single thing that's going to be spoken about tonight is, is, is a living testimony in my own life. We all will go through valleys. We will all suffer heartache and heartbreak. And we will all experience loss. So I am here to say that I am in a valley right now. But he's with me as well. And he's never going to leave me alone to walk in that valley. And he'll walk with me as long as it takes for me to start going up that mountain again. So, <clears throat> last week I had said that we were going to cover all the fruit of the Spirit, right? I mean, we had done um, love and joy last week, but... I thought we would be able to get through the rest, but nope. <laughs> We're not going to be able to. I can't. There's just, there's just a lot to go through. The Holy Spirit wants us to dig deep. And there's just so much treasure in the Word of God that we are going to unearth as we look into peace, patience, and kindness. Now, the fruit of the Holy Spirit only comes by the indwelling of the Spirit inside you. We cannot walk in obedience to the fruit without the Spirit. Every virtue of His fruit can only manifest itself by the power of the Holy Spirit changing and transforming you. That is something that we, uh, we talked about in depth last week. That He's the one that does the work. He's the one who produces this fruit. He's the one that leads you into that obedience. So his leading in your life will produce fruit. This is the evidence of him living inside you. Godless men can perform religious deeds. They can prove to the world that good works are accomplished. But what is inside their heart? If they do not repent of their sins before a righteous and holy God, if they do not surrender to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and accept his grace and surrender to him, their good works mean nothing. We need to understand the difference between good works and fruit. Warren Worsby notes that the contrast between works and fruit is very important. A machine in a factory works and turns out a product, but it could never manufacture fruit. Fruit must grow out of life. 
And in the case of the believer, it is the life of the Spirit. When you think of works, you think of effort, labor, strain, and toil. When you think of fruit, you think of beauty, quietness, the unfolding of life. The flesh produces dead works, but the spirit produces living fruit. And this fruit has in it the seed for still more fruit. Love begets more love. Joy helps to produce more joy. Jesus is concerned that we produce fruit, more fruit, much fruit, because this is the way we glorify him. The old nature cannot produce fruit. Only the new nature can do that. John 15, 1, 2, and 5 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the keeper of the vineyard. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that bears that does bear fruit, he prunes to make it even more fruitful. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Our relationship with Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit leads us to our first virtue, which is peace. The Greek word for peace is irni. I'm probably slaughtering that, uh, that pronunciation. But this peace means to join or bind together that which has been separated. Peace is the opposite of division or dissension. Peace is a state of harmony, the opposite of war. Peace is to bind or join together that which was separated. This is every child of God. We were separated because of our sin nature, but because Jesus Christ died for us and restored our relationship with God the Father, we are now known by peace. We are no longer at war with God. We have turned our back to the world and its ways and we follow Jesus. We have been reconciled back to the Father. The ultimate state of peace is knowing that we will spend all of eternity with him. That we are no longer separated from our Father and Creator. Our sin and its power, what made us an enemy of God, has been destroyed by the blood of Christ Jesus. When we realize that we are full of wicked sin and evil, when we realize we can do nothing to make things right between ourselves and God, we repent we call out to Jesus Christ because his sacrifice is the only thing that will make things right. His blood is the only ministry of reconciliation. So what happens? God rescues us. He rescues us from eternal separation and torment. And he places his living spirit inside of us to lead us to him every single day. The Holy Spirit teaches us truth. He transforms us. He allows us to crucify our flesh. He teaches the peace that blows our mind. A peace we cannot explain. 
We are complete. We are sound. We are safe. We are content with our friendship with God, especially in our covenant relationship with him. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Psalm 4, 8. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. That is some supernatural peace. That is the only way that we can sleep at night. That's the only way that we can have an, a lasting peace, this harmony with him, knowing that we have been reconciled with him. We will get hit by wind and waves. We will be hit and, I mean, we will be knocked down. But our peace will remain because we know that this light momentary affliction is nothing to, compete, nothing to be compared to what is waiting for us for all of eternity. So we can walk in our grieving. We can walk in our heartbreak knowing, yes, this sucks right now, but I have got my peace. I have my rock. I have a secure relationship with Jesus Christ that can never be shaken, that can never be torn down, that can never be taken away from me. So I will endure. I will press on. And we can endure with peace because of his patience. Patience is forbearance. And that's command of our temper, restraint of passions. This is displayed when we go through suffering, afflictions, pale or pain, excuse me, toil, calamity, or any other evil, and have a calm, unruffled temper. Let me read that again. We will be able to command our temper and restrain our passion when we go through suffering, affliction, pain, toil, calamity, or any other evil. We will not allow it to get our temper flared up. We will hold back our murmuring and fretfulness. This quality, this patience, this forbearance, it bears the offense or injury being done to us without anger or revenge. That is patience. Let's get real right now. Without Jesus, we want to take matters into our own hands. I've been there. I have set a few people up that did me wrong, and I relished in the fact that vengeance took care of them because of what they did to me. Even if I pushed revenge out the door, right? Even if I kind of 
put it in motion. I still relished in the fact that, you know what, you got yours because of what you did to me. But this is not the way of Jesus Christ. This is not the life he led. This is not what the Spirit teaches us. And the greatest example set for us to follow is when Jesus was crucified. Isaiah 53, 3-7 He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. <laughs> And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we, we, esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. So that we could have peace. So that we could endure. So that we could have life. He understands the depth of your heartache he understands being crushed to the point of not being able to get back up and here we are we want to rant and rave and we want to take matters into our own hands but he silently went to the cross for us and we see this we see this fulfilled in John 19 1 through 11 then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arraigned him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck them with their hands. <laughs> Pilate went out again and said to, the, to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. 
When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Then take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, we ought, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. Man, how blind they were. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Jesus endured because he knew what was on the other side of that cross. He knew that he was going to be done with sin and death after he rose from the grave. He did not seek revenge. He sought forgiveness. Luke 23, 24, and Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Because while he was on that cross and when he was going to die a horrific, painful death, he did not stop it once. He had the power and the authority. He was God incarnate. He could have said, nope, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to go through this pain anymore. I'm not going to suffer anymore. He had the power and the ability to do that, but he did not. Because he saw every single one of us In the apple of his eye, he had every single one of our names written on his heart. I am dying for her. I am going to suffer for her. I am going to carry the weight of her sin and the punishment she deserves so that I could have a relationship with her, so that I could spend all of eternity with her, so that she doesn't have to cry another tear, so she doesn't have to go through another painful death, so she doesn't have to suffer. I am going to do that for her. So he stayed on that cross. And we see this quality again of bearing offenses and wrongdoings perfectly right now today by God the Father. Second Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God demonstrates his perfect love towards us through enduring with us. He endures us. He doesn't knock us flat each time that we mess up. He doesn't beat us down with shame or condemnation. He is still holding back his righteous anger and wrath towards the godless person so that they would finally submit to him and that they would call out to him and surrender to him. He is perfect in his patience towards each one of us. 
And when we realize how much we still, how much we sin, how much we do against him, and he still loves us, he still chases us, he still desires to walk with us. And he hasn't taken out humanity yet with all of its evil and all of its heinous acts, but still has patience. We can be patient. We can endure because his spirit is residing inside of us. We can turn the other cheek. We can forgive those who curse us. We can love those who hate us no matter what they do to us. Romans 12, 19-21 Beloved, never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord to the contrary if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him something to drink for by doing so you will keep burning coals on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good Psalm 37, 7 through 9. And ladies, the Lord specifically spoke to my heart last night with this passage concerning Arnoldine. So know, so know that he is teaching me how to endure with that perfect patience as well. Psalm 37, 7 through 9. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So as I walk through this affliction, as I walk through this heaviness in my heart, as I'm feeling the pain and grieving, grieving over the evil that has been done to Arnold Dean and her baby, My old Ashley would want evil to be done on that person who took their lives. I could be filled up with so much rage, I wouldn't be able to think. But I am called, I am called to walk in the steps of my Savior. I was chosen to display his perfect patience and forgive the person who committed this evil act. Jesus already has. Jesus took on that very act of sin and nailed it to the cross. And if that person were to come to Jesus and repent of what they did and surrender their all to him, he would remember it no more. He would embrace that person as he embraces me. My sin is no different from that person's sin of taking Arnold Dean's life. 
Oh, may I endure. May I take up my cross daily just like Jesus did and press on that I would continue and that I wouldn't give up. <laughs> no matter how hard it is. Now, when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and we walk in a manner that is worthy of Jesus and we endure, we will display kindness. We have the ability and the power through the Holy Spirit to display kindness. Kindness is goodness, uprightness, gentleness, usefulness. Kindness is words displayed by deeds. Jesus teaches us how to display the supernatural kindness in Luke 6, 27 through 36. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from who you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Then we see Paul in Acts 20 say his final goodbyes, urging his brothers to help the weak, showing kindness, putting words into actions, being useful to those around them. Because Jesus says it more, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, 32 through 35. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I have shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And now the Apostle John tells us to show our love, to not talk about it, but be about it. 1 John 3.18 Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Remember to have a peace that calms your soul, no matter the wind and waves that are crashing into you, you must be reconciled to the Father through the Son. Because perfect peace only comes by being in a state of harmony and no longer at war with God. And because we are reconciled with God, we will look out and be ready for the second coming of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Times will only get worse and worse, you guys. Chaos and evil will abound more and more. But our anchor is set, and his name is Jesus. And one day he will return on a white horse and bring the ultimate peace once and for all. But until that day comes, the Holy Spirit has given us patience. Patience to endure all things. Patience to endure all evil, all suffering, all tribulation. He has given us patience to press on and keep following Christ wholeheartedly. No matter how much it hurts, no matter what we go through. Believing that one day he will make all things perfect again and we will never have to experience sin or death or the pain and destruction that comes from each of them. And we put our patience into practice and demonstrate the kindness of the Spirit. We are gentle to those who are harsh. We show them the other cheek and we love them the way that Jesus already does. These things can only be done by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and our obedience to surrender to Him and lay down our lives, wills, and emotions. And I want to close with this. Believer, you are not always perfectly behaved, but you are perfectly saved. Identity comes from birth, not behavior. You were born again perfectly, and your attitude and your actions are in process as God's Spirit renews your mind and produces His fruit in your life. Trust who Christ says you are, even though you don't always feel worthy. Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just come down and rain on us, that you would allow your presence to just fill this place and that we would all know, we would know how, how patient you are how you endured all things for the sake of us, for the sake of, of, of reconciliation, for the sake of, of restoration, for the sake of relationship with us. Jesus, you went to that cross so that we could, we could hear about what you did and that we would just fall flat on our face and that we would, we would want just all of you and that we would forsake everything this world has to offer.
Father, like I know, I know, I know the only way that I can carry on and I can press on is in in, in hate, hate the evil that is in this world, Lord. I, I, it makes me hate Satan and sin so much more. But I know, Father God, that you are still displaying your patience because there are, there are sinners out there that still will repent. There are sinners out there that will still um, fall flat on their face and surrender to Jesus. So I pray for them right now, Father God. I pray for those. I pray for those who don't know you that are that will listen to your name being called out and they will drop everything and they will come and follow you. I pray, Father God, that if there is anyone in here in this room tonight that wants to surrender and that wants to follow Jesus, that they would make that decision, that you would call their heart out, call them by name, because it is you, Father God, that causes our heart to be repentant. It is you, Lord, that tears the veil. And so I pray, Father God, I lift every single woman up in this room. I pray, Father God, that they would understand the urgency. They would understand that they are not guaranteed tomorrow. That we are that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And Lord, that eternity does matter. Their soul does matter. And that they will, they will face what is to come, Lord, if they are not your child. And so I pray, Father God, that you would open their eyes, that they would wake up and that they would see that they are worthy of your love, that they are worthy of reconciliation, that they are worthy to be forgiven because Jesus took their place. I pray, Father God, that you would just surround them by truth and that you would surround them by strength and that you would surround them by encouragement of your word this week, Father God, that they would, they would, they would humbly submit and those that have given their lives, Father God, that, that you would equip them, that you would build them up, that they would continue to press on and not tap out no matter how hard it gets. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to be used by you, Father God. Like, I am nothing. I am, I am nothing. I am weak. I still am full of sin, Lord. I still struggle. But you never let me go. You still call me chosen. You still call me worthy. You still call me a daughter of the King. And I thank you for that. I just love you, Lord, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.